What's up, long players? Welcome back to the Long Play Listening Party, the show where we go deep on local music, writing, recording, inspiration, gear, and whatever else sounds good to us. I'm Howie Howard from Mr. Furious Records, joined by Nate Holt. What's going on, Nate? Hello. <laughs> Royce Diamond, back in the saddle. Happy to have you. Good to be here. And Drew Rudbush, you also might know him as Dark Satellites, repeated guest. Uh, extreme close up there for the audio podcast okay. listeners. How's my, uh, how's my video? Uh, your pores look I, excellent. It looks perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, good. I was worried that I didn't know how to do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, you take impeccable care of your nose. That's beautiful. Yeah, thanks. Good brows, yeah. Brows, lashes, all on point. So this show started with shameless self-promotion. And uh, we're not going to deviate. We are listening to my album tonight, Fight Songs, under the artist name MS Ride. And uh, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, this is kind of a... This is the singer songwritery punk, pub rock, Motown sort of record I've been talking about for a long time. And uh, it's out. It's out today. We're recording on Tuesday, November 1st. You'll hear this podcast on Wednesday, November 9th, I think it is. And uh, so you can check it out now on Bandcamp or on all the major streaming platforms. And uh, I'm really proud of it. It's a personal best in a lot of ways. And we're going to listen to it and talk about it. I don't know. Do you guys want to say anything up top? Um, and we can get into it, and I'm sure you'll point out examples, but um, personal best. What, what, I mean, you don't have to go into everything, but like, could you give us an example? Yeah, uh, mixing and production is the, the easy number one. This is by far the, the best mixed record I've ever done. Songwriting, probably probably a tie. It's I, I'm proud of these songs. They're up there, and they're they're some of the best in terms of like pop songs. But I have some other weirder stuff that I'm like equally proud of. So it's not as easy to say best or not. But this is these are definitely my best pop songs. <laughs> um, lots of guests on the record. Nate's on the record. Drew's on the record. Uh, Corey, Rob, other people who've been on the the podcast here. Um, so lots yeah. of guests, which was super fun. Do we just jump into it? You want to play us a song? Yeah, I was, was going to say we can just jump into it, but like um, what what you were talking about, I, I had a question that oh, sure. came across my mind, and I'm losing it. But um, you played everything. Uh, well, besides. You know, the songs you mentioned you had guests on, you played everything yourself? Yeah, everything's me except for the guest spots. I think Royce is trying to get a question. Uh, I was just going to ask, um, over what period of time did you create all of this music? A long period of time. So, and I'll have a video coming out on the Mr. Furious Records YouTube channel in a few weeks uh, where I actually listen to and react to the demos for all these songs. Uh, but the first pair of songs was 2008. Oh wow! And I know very specifically because I was excited about them, and I wrote about them on the Mr. Furious site, like in the days or weeks following the the writing. And that's Cookie and Lost. Um, 
And then they kind of trickled in from there. So at first I thought I would do like an EP in this in this style of Cookie and Lost. Um, I was really excited about those two. And just slowly, slowly it accumulated more songs until it became kind of the maximalist, you know, 13 song album with a bonus track um, that it is. And so some of them, they, they kind of trickled in. I, I, I go into detail in the upcoming demos video, but they, they really trickled in one or two a year since 2008. And so the newest one is um, only a couple of years old. Which 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 one is that? That is, uh, she was the greatest by far. I, it came out of a dream, and uh, that's a fun one. It, it, the demo is just me like mumbling into my iPad because I'm I'm just leaned over the bed like I you know literally just woke up from a dream with this <laughs> music in my head trying to get it out. Okay, on our unfinished. Mars Lights record from 2012 isn't really that late in the grand scheme of things. We should, if we can finish that by 2026, we'll be ahead ahead of this one. Well, we might be pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> if we have that much time, you should, you should you, know, find, you know, send some stuff to me. I'll, I'll contribute. <laughs> Uh, what was your uh, production philosophy on this record? I remember you saying that you had kind of a vision for how the instruments would come together and get and and the, the way they get mixed. Yeah, I knew. So there were two things going into the kind of production and the start of the tracking that I knew I wanted. I knew I wanted like Elvis Costello energy of the, the early Elvis Costello records. And that just that feeling they have to me, the early Nick Lowe records are like this too, where they're just like, they're pushing forward. Every beat is just like pressing, pressing, pressing. Not in an aggressive way, but just like, what's a good, almost like a, like a passenger train or something, not a freight train so much, but like a passenger train is smooth and just like zipping down the track. Midnight, like a midnight train to Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew I wanted that, which had a lot to do with the drums. And I knew I wanted a very James Jamerson Motown style bass sound. I wanted that, that DI dry punchy. I did the foam under the, strings at the bridge um and the bass is all di and i i wanted that sound and i wanted to as much as i can i wanted to play in kind of that style and move up and down the neck and and do you know get outside of the roots and and really bounce around on the bass so it really started with that and then i wanted to this was optional headed in. I wanted to try a Motown style mix with the drums panned to the side and like the backing vocals all at the same spot, one compressor, one reverb, you know, to, to really kind of glue them together in an old school way. And, but I wasn't committed to that. That was like an experiment. Like, I'm not sure if this is going to work. And uh, Drew, you remember the thread on the forum 
like I posted some examples and tried some things and ended up feeling like it worked. So th- so it is mixed in a Motown inspired way. I didn't go. There's more tracks, of course. Things aren't strictly like center left right. There's there's medium positions. You know, the kick drums like maybe 33 percent to the side. The snares like 50 percent, you know, not 100 um, so it's not like a full Motown tribute, but it's a it's a strong inspiration from that style of mixing. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's hear some cookie. That, I think. Yeah, let's hear some. This is the one with the video, correct? Yep. There's a video for this full music video, as much as I could di with my phone. Well, one of these days, uh, I'll figure out how to pipe in a video stream from somewhere that we can watch the video. Oh, that'd be cool. We'll link to it, of course. I'm trying to get the picture to YouTube or something. You were right. you can spend Working from school. Yeah, that's the VK1. The first, uh... That is the VK1, right? Yeah. Type those pretty the first organ track I did to this song was a bummer. Like, and I did everything kind of properly. And I listened back and it just, it gave the song a weird, dark, moody vibe that I did not want. And so I scrapped it and went back and was just like, okay, I'm gonna go over the top and just make this as ridiculous and fun and Steve Neve inspired as I can. Like I'm gonna almost do a parody. That ended up being perfect. In here, my heart, I'm yours. And your sketchy spelling doesn't change a thing about us. Trust me when I tell you. Appreciate a song with uh, spelling critique. Um, you gotta call those motherfuckers out. Yeah. Especially when you love them. Anonymous as ever at my job Slacking off Can we sharpen wits without it being hurtful? God, I hope so Kid, I need to feel we're cool with repartee Holding back holds us apart So are you coming out tonight? I want to... The inspiration for these lyrics? Did I miss that? No, you didn't. So... This album, this is, album is about my girlfriend, now my wife, Carrie Ann, for the most part. And most of these songs are about real conflicts that we had. In this case, so she makes amazing cookies, chocolate chip cookies. She's got them wired. But uh, she likes to spell cookie with a Y. Which is pretty unconventional these Fuck days. Up, man. It is... <laughs> It has been done in the past, but it's like a very old school way of spelling cookie. Almost everyone uses IE these days. I don't know, that sounds, that sounds kind of uh, suspect to me. Exactly! Uh, there you go! That's. And th- there was a song right there. It sounded kind of suspect to me, too. She really, she really kind of dug her heels in, so there was this moment. And the, I mean, it's literally the, the song, like, there was this moment of like. Wait, are we still play fighting, or has this become like a real fight? You know, I would I would have called it cookie with the right spelling and in parentheses. 
Chiskoki with the Y. Yeah. Still fighting, mate. Still fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Just because that's sort of petty and that's funny. <laughs> it was, yeah. So maybe, was, maybe you could read the title as a sort of concession. I was uh, blown away by that song when I heard it, man. That was really good. I really like it. Thank you. A lot. Thank you. Good shout, Corey Kibler. This song features Corey. So as you didn't put your, maybe you have your lyrics up somewhere else, but you didn't put them on Bandcamp. I need. I will put that on the to-do list. Thank you. Yeah. I don't want to say another word. I have a Google Doc, so I'll just have to copy paste them over. Oh, I mean, it's neat. I mean, sure, call. I was just say, I. The lyrics are there. I like they're kind of. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. I should do that, and I'm really, I'm proud of these lyrics. And there's a lot of them. They come fast and furious. During a song like this. Either I've never heard you sing, or I've never heard you sing like this before. Is this different? I mean, I think this is. So singing is probably another personal best. Like this is the best pure, like pop, straightforward singing I've probably ever done. But it's not like stylistically different than the stuff I've done with Scott or or my solo stuff before this. It's it's just an evolution maybe or like one one notch better. Did you? What was the balance of Sunny versus Dear? Uh. 60-40 share, probably. This is something... Uh, acceptable. Acceptable. In in working on the Mars Light stuff with Drew, I found... We were working on Mars Lights. I was recording vocals in his basement, and... You know, it just wasn't sounding kind of powerful enough. And I started just fooling around with other vocal cambers and feelings inside my face and chest and I found this spot that was like it sounded a little like share and just dialed it back right so like so there would just be like five percent share in my vocals and that has actually been a really useful thing to, for me to keep in mind huh. <laughs> It, it can go too far, but that's why you do multiple takes. I think I can't wait to be in the studio and be like, give me 5% yeah. share. A little more share. A little so, more share. 5%. <laughs> did you spend more time recording these vocals than you did in the past? Or do you think you just kind of got better so you were able to you know, do your normal amount of takes or less takes than usual? I would say more takes, probably a couple more takes. So I did 10 to 12 takes usually. Yeah. Um, I did rehearse a lot. So I spent two weeks singing the album every day and just not even recording it before I started recording. Because this this was all like written in this studio or like at home, but I didn't perform these songs really. So it took it took some time to get my voice into shape. Which is what you typically do in a 
band situation, you'd be playing the song yeah. however many times you practice and then go in and record. Yeah. That's cool. All right. And then I also, I scrapped some, some days. Like some days I would listen back and it's just like, this is not going where I want it to go. And I would just delete all the vocals I'd recorded and try again a different day. And that, having the time to do that and having the, I don't know if it's editing ears or whatever, but just like making the decision to be like, nope, it's not, just not quite feeling it. Start And it's just easier to start from scratch than to try and punch yep. or like try and make yeah. it work. <laughs> For sure. I how much That's did Corey make you auto-tune his vocal? What? How much did Corey make you auto-tune his vocal? Corey's thing, not much tuning. He did a really good job. His thing is always, he yeah, loves he's a good singer. The, the double and he loves reverb on his voice. And so there's always, oh, yeah. there's always this push, like how much reverb he can have. Yeah. And there's also... Like, my vocal tone is very, like, mid-range and cuts through the mix pretty well. His vocal timbre is very bass and treble and scoopy. So they, they blend really well in one sense, but they're also very difficult to balance volume-wise. Like, on, on different systems, my voice will translate better or his voice will translate better. So... So getting those voices in balance to where it translates kind of on all different ways of listening was really, really hard. Many different oh. ways of listening well, did you well, do? I was going to say, Roy, Royce first. All the time that I would spend to find a reason. Um, how many different ways of, of listening did you do? Did you listen to a bunch of different devices and other people's spaces? Uh, three or four. Yes. <laughs> I have three or four main ones, right? So headphones, car, um, my computer, where I just like sit every day, which is not a great. My speakers there are close together, so it's kind of mono-y. Um, but I'm very accustomed. I know what everything sounds like on it, so it's it's a useful reference. And um, sometimes a phone or a laptop just to kind of see. I was gonna say uh, this is this is your DMB song, your Dave Matthews <laughs> band track. I had not made that connection, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's in there a little bit. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's. It, It might be that acoustic guitar sort of go you know, over everything. Yeah. But I liked it. I'm not. It's, I'm not saying anything negative. It's yeah, yeah. a catchy song for sure. It just makes you think of like a whole truckload of human feces being dumped on a boat. Tourist. That was awesome. Awesome association. Ironically, that's what it was about. So, yeah, <laughs> you kind of had to you know, go in that world a little bit. No, but good organ playing, though, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah, wow, yeah. There's like some, that. yeah. Does that one even have an organ solo? There's a couple solo, like mini there solos. Is, there is some. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. 
Uh, so this song, this is Lost. This was one of the first two songs written. And uh, Drew plays guitars all over this song and the next one. And really, like, elevated this one. This one was, when I sent it to Drew, did not quite have the energy that I wanted yet. And when the parts came back, like, everything snapped into place. It was amazing. to him really fast. I didn't have to work very hard at this one. I think I just did a couple takes and kept them both. That's cool because this is not the type of song you've done a lot of. I mean, you kind of you kind of dark satellized it up, which I wanted. But like, it's this is poppier than what you usually do. I suppose so, yeah. Just a little bit. I'm at home, road be damned. Ask me where my head is. Do you think I'm gay? There's some line in this, I don't remember exactly what it is. It was kind of referenced that do you think I'm getting old, but like, part of this was like, we were. We were like 26 or 27, and Carrie Ann said something about how we were like almost 50, because we were over 25. So there's this uh, exchange about like, is that really like almost 50? It's in the bridge. It's coming up. It's in the bridge. It's not. <laughs> I didn't say it. You said it. <laughs> 46 is much closer to 50 okay. than 25. My God. All the people fall down? Is that what you're doing? Given I'm near 50, I still look like love. Oh, there it is. There it is, yeah. Given I'm near 50, near 50, could I still look like love to you? It's small, but I love that little snare pickup into the solo. I like being able to do a harmonized guitar solo here. I like one of the things I like about this song is this one really just poured out of me like in one. It was just there, everything all at once. So the vocal melody on the chorus is weird. Like this is a very strange, that falsetto and like the notes are jumping around and I like how much weirdness this kind of crammed into a pop package. Right. So you still have the VK one? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I love that thing. We've talked about it a couple times. So we're talking about a Roland VK one synthesizer that sounds and has an interface like an organ. And uh you can hear that on almost every song. 
Uh, I knew I wanted a lot of Rhodes type sound on this record and was planning to just use a plug-in or something, but this popped up for sale locally and I I jumped on it. How much was it? Huh? I can't remember. It was... I felt like it was a good deal. I don't know, maybe 400 or something? Yeah, that seems like it would be... A, a, I mean, if it was in good shape. It, the guy restored it. I mean, he, he fixed it all up and... Yeah, because I see one on eBay for like a thousand, another one for six hundred plus a hundred dollars shipping. It but might yeah. have been five, but I don't think it was six. Well, I think it was under six for sure. It's still a good deal because I, I mean, it's, I thought it sounded pretty good. Yeah. For what I've heard. Yeah, I'm very happy with how it sounds and plays and and everything. I did. I used a uh, a Pigtronics Rototron analog Leslie kind of simulator. Yeah. And uh, that obviously helped a lot too. And it has some great expression functions. So like the speed up, the slow down, the brake is all over. The, is that a, is that like a guitar pedal? Bit? Yeah. Okay, cool. So this is the first, everything we've heard so far is kind of like down the center of what this record is. Here's the first curveball and there will be some more uh this jazzy thing with drew shredding weird broken uh particles of shards of guitar yeah, my guitar was malfunctioning in the middle of this solo that's perfect i have this uh i have this uh low budget gnl guitar um, I bought it during the pandemic, and the pickups aren't wired cleanly. So sometimes, uh, if if I hit a pickup with my hand while I'm playing, it'll just like completely cut out. And that happened in the middle of that solo, and um, it seemed like it fit. Yeah, you hadn't told me that before. Work. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Bonus points to you, sir, for saving it for the pod. <laughs> Is this song about the pandemic? Yeah, yeah. March 401st, yep. Right, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about the, the year 2020 when I uh, recorded that solo. We're coming up. Oh, I left it out of my Twitter thread today, and I, I was thinking about it. I'll shout them out now. I'll put it back on Twitter later. But the, the vocals coming up at the end, um, and the lyric is, uh, "A day's just a day." Direct ripoff from Till Willis and Selvage, from when they were on the Long Play Listening Party. And we talked about the lyrics in one of those songs of um, Today's a Day, Not Two. Dude, I love that, like, just ripping, tearing uh, sound there. That's how it's like. I think there's something. Is, is there. What? I started to think there was something going on with my 
my audio, and then it's like, oh, it's a song. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's the like uh, Z-Bag Buzz Probe. Um, it's like a theremin buzz pedal, and it'll make those staticky Geiger counter sounds if you kind of hover your foot over the touch plate. Um, this song, this song always reminds me of uh, the last track on OK Computer. Oh, sweet. That's another reference I wasn't expecting, so I'll, I'll definitely take that. Um, there's also, so I did hybrid mixing on this album with my soundtracks board, and this song is absolutely like right at the edge of some pretty nasty distortion at the at the mix board level so I actually had to back off the sins in Reaper to not hit the board quite so hard compared to the other songs because there's just so much going on at the end that it was overloading the board Why don't you tell us about how you did the drums? Because you fooled me a couple times when you were sending me demos. Yeah, they're all programs. Um, I made, so shout out to Reverb.com for this, uh, this one thing, not a sponsor, but they've got an excellent video about recreating a whole Motown track. And the they there's, there's a drum sample pack that you can download. Now it's not. There's very few velocity layers in the sample pack, so I made my own velocity layers by mixing the samples at different levels. So I went from like four layers to like thirty. And then there's a lot of little humanization tricks. The snares are all like laid back a little bit. There's velocity randomization. There's timing randomization. And everything has a all pass filter on an LFO. So there's an all pass filter moving around that makes each hit sound a little bit different and it really tricks your ear. So that's all the kick snare. And then there's always like a shaker or a tambourine or something that I actually played layered over the top. So there's almost no, there are a few songs with hi-hat or cymbal, but for the most part, there's no metallic stuff. And that's a direct, I mean, if you go back and listen to Motown, of course they were playing hi-hats and stuff, but you, you can't hear it. It's all lost in the distortion and the low passing of everything and the, the general low fidelity. You can barely hear a hi-hat or a cymbal in those songs. And so I kind of followed that for the most part and just, so it's like kick snare shaker or kick snare tambourine. This one, I can hear that shaker going on this one. Uh, there's bongos in this one too. Did you do the MIDI programming in Reaper then? Yep. I've never, I've never done that. I, uh, if I'm doing MIDI programming, I'm just using my Digitact or something. 
Yeah, because in that case, your Digitax is like the brain of everything, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so Reaper was my brain here. I would, uh, I'd bring the demo. The session would start with the demo. Uh, and if I was lucky, I'd done the demo to the to a click. But if not, I would stretch it until I got got it to a click. Then I'd, I'd start programming in the drums, mess around with the arrangement maybe a little bit more, and uh, then just start layer. You know, play bass and, st- mm-hmm. and start layering it up. And the the drums continued to evolve. You know, a little bit through the process so it, it wasn't a strict like drums bass guitar it's a little looser than that for me and i'll move back and forth and like adjust or fix things or improve things as i go all right here's the big halfway point shout out to scott morris knock this orchestration out of the park. Did Scott make you auto-tune his saxophone? No. No, he didn't. <laughs> you should have done it anyway. He didn't make you auto-tune any of my guitars. I, when I sent this to him with just voice and guitar, I asked him if he could, you know, maybe do just a couple parts that would gesture toward a little touch of Schmilson in the night, which I adore. Yeah, okay. I did not expect him to send back a full orchestration with the harp and just all this stuff. And it's so beautiful and I love it so much. It's it's literally a dream. Well, he is a music teacher. Yes. Have chosen. That doesn't automatically mean you can do this, though. <laughs> you give a music teacher an assignment. If you do me the like my garage it's good it's beautiful <laughs> is that a craft table what, flies. what table or is that barbecue table flies everywhere oh uh, yeah we had a barbecue uh this weekend uh haven't finished cleaning up tuesday man so you said this was okay orchestrated yeah, so the sounds That's where are... we should be recording this episode. What's up? 
I said, that's where we used to record it. Yeah. 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 Were you asking a MIDI question, Nate? Yeah, did you say that this was MIDI orchestrated? Yes. So the sounds are the Spitfire BBC Orchestra. Oh, okay. I did have to pull the violin duet from somewhere else. Because the, the full violin section was too much. On the steps in May. And Scott, uh, should I know who Scott is? Uh, Scott Morris is a friend of mine since childhood. Uh, the Scott of Howie and Scott, my first band. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, and collaborated on many, many different projects. Um, we'd have talked about him. So on the, the MS ride, the beat tape with like approach and everything. Um, one of the songs that was just me, I chopped up a Howie and Scott song with all the saxophones, like hard left and hard right with Scott. Um, and he sent you, he composed this and then sent you the MIDI? Yeah. Okay. And then you selected the sounds? Well, we... We decided ahead of time to use the Spitfire BBC Orchestra. So we both had the same plug-in. Gotcha. So it was... Um, it wasn't... I, I tweaked a few things, but we were basically referencing the same sounds so we'd know what it would sound, what it would sound like. Gotcha. So that was... I, so what I did, Howie, was uh, split them up. Yeah, yeah, perfect. That's where I want to. That's where I want to split. That's uh, that's side one essentially. And that was twenty eight sixteen, and the next side is thirty fifty six. Does that sound? Accurate? Yeah, that's with the bonus tracks, which we can do if you want. Oh yeah, of course. No man, uh, you get your album, and then the bonus tracks we'll we'll, we'll do another time. Okay. Cool. I mean, they are, uh, they are so, bonus tracks, so. Yeah. So, you get the. So does any. Go ahead. You get the bonus tracks if you buy the album on Bandcamp, is the, the main deal. So the album is 13 songs. The Bandcamp download contains two bonus tracks a, a B side that I love just as much as any song on the record, but I just could not figure out the sequencing for it. Uh, the B side's called Speed Lab and features Tim Gillespie. And then there's a um, acoustic take of Fight Song, which we just heard, just voice and guitar, that was like my scratch track. It's like the best of my scratch tracks for that song that, that formed. I built everything up around that and then replaced it with a better vocal and guitar. So those are the those are the bonus tracks. Okay. Um, does anybody need a quick break?